Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back, everyone. Before I jump into today's episode, I want to tell you about a great resource that I have connected with recently called Relay. And it's an app that does accountability and connection really well. And it's for those who struggle with unwanted pornography use. And it matches people into groups with peers to help them work together to overcome pornography use. It's more than just a group chat. It also has a lot of features that help, like an SOS button where the group can reach out to you. And it's a safe, powerful tool with a lot of great features. And you can use the link in the show notes to download the Relay app, try it out for free. And if you decide you want to subscribe to it, you can enter the the code that is available there and you can get a discount on it, 15% discount. So enter the code Jeff1, G-E-O-F-F-1, the number one, and you'll be able to get a free trial and a 15% discount off of Relay, a fabulous app that I think will help a lot of people. And so I've had a lot of clients use it. It's been very helpful. And I uh, connected with the guys that came up with it and thought it would be a great thing to make available to all of you. So please check that out. And then I also have a free course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust that you can download for free in the show notes as well. And this is a course that I created and it's about six or seven videos and it goes through the different stages of rebuilding trust. Just a nice overview of what it takes to rebuild trust from the perspective of the person who broke the trust. It also has information on betrayal trauma for the person who's been injured, as well as support and help for the couple. It's a great introduction. It's a great resource and I hope you'll take advantage of it. Click on the link in the show notes and we'll send it to you right away and you can get started on your journey of rebuilding trust or healing from broken trust. So in today's episode, I'm going to go solo once again and continue talking about disclosure. After I recorded the last episode, I thought, you know what? There's a lot more to say about this and there really is. And I could talk probably for hours about this, but for the purposes of our podcast today, I'm going to share a little bit more about disclosure and some other things that I did not include last time. There's an old Russian proverb that says, it's better to be slapped with the truth than to be kissed with a lie. And recognize that so much of what is the most damaging in a couple's relationship when there's been a betrayal is the lying, it's the hiding, it's the manipulation. And so many times people who don't speak up about what they've done or don't open up about secrets do so based on the idea that there's no way this person that I love, that I'm committed to, that I've, you know, that I've sworn to protect be faithful to. There's no way they could handle the truth of what I've done. So they get so focused on the content of what they've done that they lose sight of the fact that it's the hiding, it's the manipulation, it's it's stealing someone's reality that's really the most damaging. And so being slapped with the truth is definitely a slap and it knocks the wind out of of a person and it can do a lot of damage for sure. It's very painful. I will never minimize that. But being kissed with a lie is a level of deception and manipulation that is for a lot of relationships, one of the hardest things to overcome. Because in order to let somebody kiss you, and using this quote here, this analogy, is that you have to make yourself vulnerable. You have to let yourself be available, be seen, to be connected. And the process of doing that is based on safety and trust. 
And so when you're allowing someone to get that close to you and they have a secret or they're doing something in secret that they know violates your commitment, your shared agreement, and that would change the very nature of you allowing yourself to be kissed in this case, as it were, then that's a very hard thing to overcome because how in the world are you supposed to ever trust or feel safe with somebody who will take advantage of your trust like that? So there's often a lot of really unhelpful responses from well-meaning people. And I talked about some of those last time, but at the core of this, it's just really harmful and damaging. And I would even say abusive to deny somebody their reality. This is information they're entitled to know. And so if you're a helper, if you're someone on the outside, whether you're a therapist or a parent or a, a church leader or a friend, to discourage them from seeking the truth or learning the truth is really preventing them from getting the healing that they need. That person needs to be able to choose whether or not they want to know the truth and how much of that they want to know. It's never up to somebody else. Now, you might have to check yourself if you're listening to this as a helper. You might feel really uncomfortable with what they might hear. You might even be in a position where you know some of the truth and you may feel worried that it would be more damaging to them. But helping them honor their own voice, honor their own sense of what they need, and erring on the side of truth and transparency and openness is really the way forward. There's lots of ways to do disclosure. There's a lot of really harmful ways to do disclosure. In fact, there's some of the most typical ways that, that I've seen in my practice over the years, people doing disclosure is, of course, getting caught, which really isn't a disclosure. It's more of just a discovery. It's, I guess it's, like a, it's just a trauma of I've discovered something accidentally or I felt led to something or I asked the right question at the right time and I discovered something. Those definitely don't promote healing. They're not really disclosures. Again, they're discoveries. A disclosure, but even a poorly done disclosure could be something like, you know, someone feels so guilty or so awful about what they've done that they just end up just spewing it all out in one setting. They just, you know, out of the blue, I need to tell you what I've done. And they just start going on and on and on about all the things they've done. And there's something really damaging about that because it doesn't, one, prepare the person who's hearing the information, but also a lot of the times that experience is really more about providing relief to the person with the secrets than it is about promoting the healing of the person hearing it. They need to get this off their chest. They're feeling so guilty and so overwhelmed. They don't want to be burdened by this anymore. And so they basically take this giant pile of secrets and darkness and heaviness and shame, and they just transfer it right over to this other unsuspecting person who's now supposed to do something with it. And the expectation oftentimes, unspoken most of the time, is that they should be grateful that this other person told them everything. And the truth is, is that it's unwelcomed. And the way it's done is often so disrespectful and so inconsiderate of the person who's receiving it that it causes more damage. Another type of unhealthy disclosure is just dripping it out over time. This is a really common way the most common, I would say, is discovery, unfortunately, which is they just get caught. But if somebody's going to come forward, I would say that this staggered disclosure or you know dripping it out disclosure is definitely the probably one of the most common ones I see, which is they might share part of the it's a story or you know part of it might be disclosed, like, yeah, I've got this sort of vague generalities. I've got this problem with, let's say, pornography or you know, I feel really triggered or tempted today, but they've done a lot more than that. Or it's just a friendship, you know, it's just, you know, just minimizing, giving surface details, and sometimes even just admitting to things that the other person already knows. But the staggered nature of it, the, the drip nature of it is really what's so harmful, which is, of course, the lying and gaslighting and hiding, all of that is not, is super hard and damaging, but it's setting that precedent that you'll never really know the full story. 
that you're only going to get pieces of it and that you never know when the next piece is coming. So this little piece of information here today and then another little piece of information tomorrow, all of that can be really disorienting because you basically live in like this perpetual state of uncertainty and trauma, heightened all the time, not knowing when new information is coming. There's also the, just the, the doing it like the timing of it, right? Like I'm going to open up about this right before we have to be somewhere so that I know that, you know, you can't ask more questions. So the timing of it, I've had, I've had people disclose right before they go into a family gathering or a or church or, you know, as they're leaving for a trip, even I've, I've seen all kinds of variations of that. So they oftentimes will use the schedule as, as a way to have to avoid staying in a conversation about this. So there's lots of ways to disclose, lots of unhealthy ways. And of course, I'm promoting and, and advocating a structured formal disclosure process, which is really the most successful way to do this. And it's the most respectful and effective way of doing it. We want to really go through this disclosure process in a structured way because we're dealing with so much trauma. There was research done you know, 15 years ago by Barbara Steffens and some others who found that after learning about a sexual addiction or a pornography issue or these types of secret sexual behaviors, over 70%, and I would even say it's higher than that in my clinical experience. But of course, those are the people that come see me are generally the ones that are traumatized. So, but anyway, that there's just a really high percentage of trauma that meet the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. And the fact that it's an intimate betrayal, a partner betrayal, an attachment injury makes it even more serious because they live with that person. They depend on that person. They're, it's not like they were assaulted by a stranger and then were able to get to safety. As awful as that is, you know, having to come home every day, every night and be in relationship and have to try and figure out life with this person that's just revealed to you something so awful. So it's asking so much of a betrayed partner to know how to stay in and deal with and navigate this. And so giving them, you know, giving them a a way to know the truth of their own reality, giving them back their truth, giving them back their reality is the most healthy and compassionate thing that you can do for someone because they simply have had their reality stolen from them. Over 90% of couples that go through disclosure report, they felt like it was the right thing to do. So we know that it's definitely the best thing to do. And the purpose of disclosures, I mean, I went through several of the rationale for it and some of the benefits of it, but at the core, it's really about repairing the damage from living with a lie and being exposed to lies. And it helps restore that integrity and giving somebody back their reality is, is so essential for their own personal healing, whether the relationship stays together or not. If you go into disclosure with the guarantee or maybe the promise that, that if you disclose, then you'll save the relationship, that ends up just becoming another form of manipulation, another form of in the same way that, you know, keeping the secrets was the way you kept the relationship together. You can't go into disclosure thinking, well, now I'll tell the secrets and then I'll keep the relationship together. You have to recognize that there's already been a high level of control and manipulation by keeping secrets as a way to stay in relationship, to not lose anything. And so a full, honest, secure, or a full, honest, mature disclosure experience is going to be about complete surrender of the outcome. It's going to be recognizing that you don't get to control whether the relationship stays together or not. Any other approach to this is really still about controlling and manipulating and disrespecting the person who's been injured. And disclosures require a tremendous amount of preparation and waiting, which is a lot to ask for the person who's been betrayed because they, everything in them just wants to know whether they're safe or not. And so that's why it's important when you're waiting for this disclosure process to happen 
to make sure that you have good boundaries in place, good support, and lots of emotional regulation and healing in terms of just making sure that your body, brain, and your whole system and your environment is supportive of your healing if you're the one waiting for the disclosure. And if you're the person preparing the disclosure, you need that time as well to help reduce shame, get into your heart, be honest, have a broken heart, be compassionate for the impact you've had on your partner and to stay emotionally regulated so that you can deliver it in the most effective way. And the person who's delivering the disclosure has got to be prepared. They've got to be grounded and stable. And the person receiving the disclosure also has to be resourced, as we call it in therapy world, which is about having adequate supports and resources around them to hold them up, to help them and support them and as they go through this experience. And so I'd like to focus for just the last part of this here on the fact that a disclosure that's facilitated, a, a formal therapeutic disclosure is really just the beginning of the healing process. It's If you're bringing everybody back to the baseline of what the truth is, you have to recognize that this is just the restoring things to the original agreement. So you know, in marriage vows or marriage commitments or promises, there's an implied or even a, a verbal or overt spoken agreement that there will be fidelity, which basically is that we'll be one. And being one means that we have the same information. If I'm truly one with my partner, she knows what I know. And we're not living two separate realities. I'm not using secrets and lies and evasion and hiding as a way to get away from changing her view of me. I'm not using that as a way to exert any kind of power or control over her world, which for a lot of people, they hear those words and they think, they think that you're just some evil genius back there scheming. Well, to some degree, what you're doing is you're using avoidance, secrecy, lying, manipulation, gaslighting as a way to keep your partner from knowing information that should be theirs to know. And therefore, you're allowing the relationship to maintain a level of stability that it wouldn't have otherwise. And so recognize that restoring that back to that baseline status, restoring the relationship back to the truth of now we know the same information. Now we're both in the exact same reality. That's just a minimum requirement of the relationship. That's not something that requires as harsh as this might sound. And so please stay with me on this. A lot of people, when they finish disclosure, because it's been such a big event, right? They've worked so hard on it. They've gone through all the steps to come to the truth. They've worked with a therapist. They've spent a lot of money. They're trying to, you know, go through this whole thing in a structured, safe way. When that's over, a lot of the times the person going through the disclosure hopes for some sort of outcome. They want the relationship to stay together. They want some sort of praise. They want the other person to be proud of them. And really what they have to realize is all they've really done is they've just brought things back to the very basic original commitment of truth. And of course, it doesn't wash everything away. It's basically saying the truth is now on the table. And if the person who's been betrayed and is listening to it chooses to accept this as the reality, which takes time as well. Now we're basically starting from a place of, okay, now that we both know the same information, how do we heal? Granted, disclosure is part of that healing. It's a huge foundational block that should have been there, but it's not going above and beyond. It's not extra. It's not like you've done something that is so beyond the scope of what was expected in the relationship. It was based on bringing just the truth to life that the partner who's been betrayed thought they had all, all along. Once that's been restored, there has to be other work done. And for a long time, work around the betrayed partner being able to share the impact that this has had on them. There has to be individual work 
in terms of healing trauma for the betrayed partner and understanding the nature of compulsive or addictive or other out of control behaviors, entitlement thinking, you know, cognitive distortions, thinking errors. There's so many, you know, family of origin work. There's just a lot of work that has to go on down the road. And without that work, and if you just stop right after disclosure, you've basically just, in a lot of ways, exited the process at the very beginning. The long-term work of healing is built on the foundation of truth. And all the work to get to the truth is indeed a lot of work. So a couple of other thoughts here. I want to share a few quotes from people that have gone through the process. And, you know, it's difficult. These are some of the quotes from some of the research that has been done on disclosure. So one partner said, after disclosure, I did have intensive and intrusive thoughts, but they did subside. And I felt so much better after I was able to write my own emotional impact letter and read it to my partner. I felt like the disclosure process combined with me being able to write this impact statement provided a great turning point in our marriage. Um, Another person said, I was encouraged to write an impact statement after the disclosure and I read it to my husband. I was encouraged to share this with him and I shared how I envisioned our life would go if he didn't continue in his recovery. And I had prepared this in advance, she said. Uh, We had the opportunity to work on recovery plans and we began marriage recovery plans, but I I was not in an emotional place where I could do that at the point, even though they had plans to do it, right? Our therapist spent a lot of time and attention tailoring our sessions to keep this in mind and to work with me through my complete shutting off. And this is something I see a lot is that a lot of the times after disclosure, there's a real intense need to to say, well, let's get to work on the relationship. Let's, you know, let's get going on that right away. I'm so ready. We've been working on this separately for so long. And so there can be a tendency sometimes to want to jump right into relationship work. But again, recognize that the disclosure is just putting back a very big foundational block that should have always been there. And now it's time to really start doing a mixture of the individual work and trying to see what kind of couples work there can be. But A lot of the times the couple's work is about boundaries. It's about communication. It's about checking in. It's about safety. It's about undoing more of the damage that's been done. So it's really important in this process to recognize that a full disclosure is a lot of work and it's the beginning of a long process in healing a relationship. And a lot of the times it's very dysregulating and very difficult for the person who's going to deliver their disclosure and they need a lot of support. A lot of the times they've traumatize themselves by their own behaviors and they don't even they don't really even understand that or they've worked so hard to manage all the secrecy and all the hiding so that they can stay connected to their partner and then the threat of losing that connection can oftentimes destabilize them because so many people that struggle with compulsive sexual behaviors or secretive behaviors they have a hard time regulating their own emotions they have a hard time regulating their own attachments to other people and find really unhealthy ways to try and do that and be in relationship and so when you take all of that away they can very quickly become dysregulated. But it's not the job of the person who's receiving the betrayal to regulate them at that stage. It's not their job to be their emotional life support. This is why couples need support from professionals, from support communities, recovery communities, um, whether that's 12-step or you know, faith-based or whatever it may, might be, because there's so much destabilization that happens as people are trying to get to the truth. I'm a big supporter, obviously, of disclosure. I think it's so critical for couples to live in the truth. And it's a very difficult process to do without any kind of support. Please make sure that you take the time and invest the energy and resources to make sure that you have a good, solid disclosure experience. Again, it's something that is an experience. It's an event. It's not something you just do quickly on a weekend or in an evening. 
and there has to be structure and rules and protocols around it. And I highly recommend that that folks do this work and do it with the integrity that it deserves to tell the truth, to tell the whole story, to ask all the questions that they need to ask and not be afraid of the truth. If I want you to be afraid of anything, it's being afraid of not knowing the full truth, going forward in a relationship where you don't know everything. So if you need to slow down, back up, start it over, try it again, get open and honest about it, please take the time and expend the energy and resources to do that. So hopefully this has been helpful to you. I can certainly speak more about this. We do talk a lot about this in the Trust Building Bootcamp. I have a whole module on disclosure in there. It's a 12-week online video program that I created for those who have broken the trust. It's full of workbooks, 20 plus hours of video, and it's, it provides a pathway to rebuilding conditions where trust can be rebuilt. And so I, there's a lot of preparation to work to do before disclosure, and then of course work afterwards. So please, hopefully you can find the resource you need. And I'm offering my podcast listeners a discount on the Trust Building Bootcamp. If you want to jump onto the Trust Building Bootcamp, so hopefully that resource can be helpful to you. Thanks again for listening. It's always great to be with you every single week. And I'll be back with Jody in future episodes. But as always, let us know what you think. Leave a rating, leave a review. And we'd love to hear what you think of this podcast and how it's helping you in your life. Thanks for being here. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode. 